1: Oh hello, hello people. Happy Monday to you again. This is a day that the Lord has made. I am rejoicing and I am glad in it. I'm sure that like uh, like myself, many of you are preparing for the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, and although I am thankful throughout the year... It's still nice to have a designated time that we set aside to give God thanks for all the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful things that he has done for us. I got a phone call today that um, really kind of broke my heart. And as I listened to the things that this person was going through, um, it reminded me of how even the things that I go through, um, they pale in comparison to some people. And so it gave me a lot. It reminded me, you know, that I, that we just need to thank God, um, even when we're going through hardships. Um, sometimes that's very hard to do, but it's just so important that we recognize God for who He is and what He has done for us. Last week, I had a very special guest on the air with me, and um, I was blessed and thankful and honored that we were able to get, I'm sorry, it wasn't last week, it was two weeks ago, the last live show that we did. Here I am just talking, talking, talking. (laughs) But anyway, um, I'm thankful that we were able to have Dr. Reed come back. He told us he would be glad to come back and he is going to be with me in just a few minutes on the air. And I can say truly um, that this man has really suffered some hardship in his life. Um, when I read his story compared to mine, I felt like um, almost like I had nothing, like I really had nothing to <sighs> complain about or feel sorry about or anything. Um, not that I'm in that place, but if you understand what I'm trying to say, I just couldn't believe. It was just so hard to believe that, that um, there's this kind of evil in the world, and that our guest had to live through the type of evil that he had to live through, but, like myself, the thing that really blessed me and really struck me was how God, how God delivered him. It really encouraged me to know that even when we go through horrific traumas, that God is able He is able to restore, that he is able to heal, that he does love us, that he does care for us. Um, So I won't say a whole lot about Dr. Reed. Um, I would like to look on his website. I believe it's GregoryReed.com. That's correct. GregoryReed.com. Wonderful. (laughs) I knew you would chime in there and help me out if I needed you (laughs) to. I feel as though we are um, close brothers already, brothers and sisters in the Lord. And um, I just want you to know, Dr. Reed, that we love you and we are just so thankful to you, uh, to God for you. Thank you for joining us again. How are you tonight?
2: I'm doing well. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be back with you.
1: Great, 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 great. I know that we have so much to talk about, and it probably would take us multiple shows to really just cover all the things I'd love to talk about, so I don't want to take up a whole lot of time. Um, Last show, we did start talking about ritual abuse, and I remember asking you why you felt that Satan even included sexual abuse of children in these rituals. And um, you gave us some insight into that, but I would like to actually touch on that again. Um, not only the sexual abuse aspect of it, but why do these occults, do these types of satanic groups um, do what they do? What is, what is ritual abuse all about? What is the purpose of their rituals, and why does it include sexual abuse? abuse?
2: I think the main thing is is it has to do with the destruction of the innocence of a child. I mean those that truly practice uh, satanic worship have an inbred hatred for God and the best way that they can uh, injure God or or to destroy what is precious to him is to destroy the innocence of a child and they also from their own standpoint believe that when you sexually violate a child you leave that child open to Uh, demonic uh, influence if not demonic possession really
3: Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. that
2: becomes uh, part of what they do in order to uh, you know open up the, the gates to the powers of darkness
1: so would you could we would you say that basically I mean what is their their mission even for that like for wanting the child to be opened up to the devil you know open up to satanic you know can you help our listeners understand um why that even is
2: well for a lot of the groups it has to do with particularly if it's something that's in the family uh they have to continue their lineage uh and to continue to raise children who will be uh, part of the kingdom of darkness and so by violating a child it conditions them uh, to accept that as, as just part of what you do. And it also keeps them in fear and compliant and eventually uh, raises them into the kind of a child that will grow up and continue to do that from generation to generation.
1: Okay, so this is a way for Satan to continue his kingdom, if you will. his
2: Absolutely, yes.
1: His mission. His, and we
2: have his... To, if we understand really the nature Of of Satan's who who he is and Mm -hmm. and what demons are, then it becomes very clear that uh, demons are incapable of doing anything unless they do it through the agency of a human being. Mm -hmm. I mean, they they can create thought patterns for people. They can you know whisper things in people's ears. but Really, it takes a human vessel in order for them to accomplish the the work of the kingdom of darkness. And so, it's necessary for them to to break down every single wall in a human being that would keep them from evil. And uh, so it's it's a very... I mean, it, it goes beyond the human agency of people that think that they're just creating an earthly kingdom for Satan to rule, and it goes to the kingdom of darkness where that's how they hold on to this the power in this world. This is how demons continue to gain access uh, in this world.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My husband and I... Um... We started a study, uh, we, we do Bible studies in our home, and we have a conference call that we, you know, open up to people who can't make it in person, and we've been teaching about spiritual warfare, and we have been teaching that you're born into spiritual warfare whether you know it, believe it, or not, whether, you know what I'm saying, whether you're aware of it, whether you believe there's a devil or not, we're born into spiritual warfare. Would you agree with that?
2: No, absolutely. There's there's no question. And and I think Jesus made that plain that there is the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of the prince of this world. And if you are a human being, you're part of that battle. That's why the old Bob Dylan song that he, that he did, uh, you know, it may be the devil and it, or it may be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, if
2: you're not by choice serving jesus christ than you are by default a servant of the kingdom of darkness whether you like it or
1: not amen amen and whether you know it or not whether you're knowledgeable of it or not that's just that's the reality of it and wow i think about you know when when some of the material that i wrote i felt like the lord you know reminded me of how the scripture says that all other sins um that we commit are outside of the body you know with without or outside of the body but sexual sin is a sin that is committed within the body or within sometimes it's hard for me to explain what i'm trying to say by that but it's 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 committed within and against your spirit yes against the essence of who you are i mean it's like the devil really is trying to go to the core of who you are.
2: Absolutely. And see, that's where it becomes such an important uh, thing to understand. I mean, it's part of our teaching on spiritual warfare as well, because there's a lot of people that through one for one reason or another in growing up, either through through being abused or just through uh, their own choices in becoming promiscuous or uh, or whatever uh they They still continue to be in bondage as believers, and they don 't understand that those are actual uh, you know as, as you know the scriptures say paul said that the, that there's a oneness that takes place uh yes in in sexual union and and yes. it's more than just a physical oneness it is a it's everything body soul and spirit and, and this is hard for people to comprehend but if you if you are sexually involved with someone who has uh demonic influence that then becomes yours, whether you like it or not. And people really don't get free until they go back and go through every one of those ties and and by the blood of Jesus, cutting the ties to them and asking Jesus to just completely sever them from that other person's spirit, soul, body, and everything else.
1: Yes, yes. We've got less than a minute um, before the tunes. We've actually got about 30 seconds (laughs) before the tunes. So hold that thought we're going to come back and um pick up pick it pick it up right there.
2: Sounds
1: good. Wow. I'm fired up and I'm ready. I'm ready now. <laughs> oh, seven 7 seconds. Oh well, I guess I could have said a few more things. Ah, that's all right.
2: All
3: <laughs> this time <laughs>
0: magic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. Get ready to live la bella vita with Dawn Catherine on TokiNet.com. Live la bella vita. If you're wanting to know all the beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else... This is your show. If you admire celebrities' beauty in their fashion sense, this is your show. Do you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes to make wine from the vine to the bottle? This is your show. Live la bella Vita. more on the show and your host, check out our website, LaBellaVitaCosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling in food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central, on Toginet.com. Are you the kind of parent who just wants their kids to live the life of their dreams? We'll grab your kids and join How to Raise a Millionaire Radio with Ann Morgan James and Jack James. It's a lively interview and call-in show, Thursday, 6 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. This dynamic mother and son team are on a mission. They want to empower kids to dream big and go after those dreams with gusto. They want to fill the world with kid entrepreneurs. Are your kids ready for success? Don't miss their fun annex, lively guests, and discussions. For more on Ann and Jack and their show, check out their website, millionaire.com. Then join the conversation of lively interviews and call-ins, and let's give our kids the tools and encouragements they need to build a future they can bank on, no matter what the economy throws their way. It's How to Raise a Millionaire Radio with Ann Morgan James and Jack James, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Central, on the Rockstar Radio Network. Okay,
1: people, I am on the air. This is Minister Diane Jones with Dr. Gregory Reed. He is uh, the pastor and youth leader for Youth Fire Ministries. They are all about telling the uncompromised truth, exposing the darkness, um, reaching out to those who have been victimized by satanic ritual abuse, sexual abuse, um, working with young people. Um, Dr. Reed has written many books, and one of them I had the pleasure to read, um, Nobody's Angel, in which he tells his story and how he was involved, caught up in the occult, how he was sexually abused as a boy. And I want to point out to the listeners how easy this can happen. You know, how easy these things can happen and how important it is for you to guard your children, for you to guard your babies. Um, Dr. Reed was visiting a friend, staying with a friend, if I remember right. And his parents were not even aware of what these this friend's parents were involved in. Um, can you pick that up there, Dr. Reed? And
2: Yes, it was um, someone... That I had met in church, and there were two or three people in my church that were not uh, really believers in Jesus Christ. They were actually there as part of a, a uh, black magic, satanic type of group. And uh, one of the children of these parents uh, befriended me, and because that's what he was asked to do. And he became my friend, we became best friends, and he began to ask me to stay over the night with, with them, and I did, and uh, after a short period of time, um, they would. Uh, I was drugged and I, I was involved in activities such as child pornography and uh, ritual activities, including eventually the, the death of the very, the very boy who had, had uh, been asked to uh, be my friend. Uh, it was uh, just a horrible, horrible, uh, horrible time. I mean, it's taken years to repair the damage that that did.
1: Hmm. Hmm. And I had I had notes here that I was actually going to talk to, talk about your friend because I can tell from your um, from your writing and um, even just reading your book how that really, 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 you know, just traumatized you. And I can see I can see why. But um, what I'm thinking about is when I was preparing for you to come on the show the first time. I talked to a friend of mine, and um, I was telling her about your story and whatnot, and she was totally blown away because she said she didn't even think these kinds of things happened. Ritual abuse, satanic abuse. uh, She knew about sexual abuse, but combined with this sort of thing. And she said, I thought that this was something that you see in the movies that this is something that you see, you know, in some crazy, scary movie or whatever. She said, I can't believe. And this woman had a very successful career in the military, was a high-ranking official when she retired, and had no idea that this type of thing happens. And so you touched on it a little bit just now. When we talk about ritual abuse, it is ugly, it is horrible. Dr. Reed Witness his own friend. I don't want to take over. I mean, walk us back through that, um, what you just said. This friend was used as a uh, recruiter?
2: Yeah, he was. Yeah, that was his, his job. He was two years older than me. I was very, I was only like nine. eight or or nine when we met. And he was two years older than me. And it wasn't until later on that I started to realize something wasn't right because I I started to, uh, I was sick for days after spending time with them. And my family was just so disconnected at that point. My mother was very ill. My father had become ill. And, uh, it was exactly 39 years ago, this, uh, this winter solstice that, uh, there was a Christmas party at our church and my, I was allowed to go to that. And, uh, I was taken from the church to their house, to my friend Mark's house. Uh, we were drugged. Um, we took a long drive from box Canyon where they lived to the place where the ritual was going to take place. And my friend Mark was dressed in all white. Uh, he was bathed and, um, anointed, so to speak, dressed in all white. And uh, at some point in the ritual, a knife was placed in my hand, and I was forced to participate in in his death. And I remember pieces of it, and then I remember him being thrown onto a fire, and then being sick for weeks after that. Um, and then later finding out from my father that that his that my mother was so sick that she was hospitalized that night, which I think was very deliberate by, by whoever engineered this, and he was so caught up in taking care of her that he has no idea what happened to me during that
1: period of time. Right, right. So look at how calculating, look at how cold, look at how evil Satan is and how he works. He comes through the church, he, he plants someone in the church, he uses an older boy to lure and to use his influence over a younger child, you know, someone that is really not his equal. He uses the fact that there's sickness and hardship and pain going on in the family. This is how Satan works, people this is how he works and this, this is why it's so important for us to understand how he works and why why God opposes him why, why God tells us not to open the doors for these types of things to come into our lives even when it comes to consensual sex with someone that you're not married to because it opens the door for this type of evil this type of, oh, it just makes my blood boil, but it also just pulls on my heartstrings because as you begin to heal, which, which was sometime later, uh, I think you were in your teens by then, between 15, 17, somewhere in there, correct?
2: Yes, that's when, that's when the healing began, yes.
1: Tell us, it- tell us how the Lord got your, now, now here you are. Here you are. You got caught up in this. You didn't even fully know yourself that this was evil. It was just something that was introduced to you, right?
2: Right. And, and, and most of the horrors and the trauma of what I'd gone through, I was so scrambled at that point. I didn't know up from down. I didn't know what was real. I, I didn't know why I kept remembering things that didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. And of course, when you're that young and it's that traumatic, then you just you just suffer to even make sense of anything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my behavior just changed so radically I became very promiscuous so I began to drink mm-hmm. and I just i had because of what they did and because of my birth lineage, I had such a natural gift, if you want to call that I know it's curse now, mm-hmm. but I, I had such a natural gift for the supernatural and the occult. That I deliberately started to open up the door to the supernatural, the séances and Ouija boards, and predicting the future and anything I could. And so, by the time I was fifteen, that was my entire life.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. When Jesus set me free from that, it was the beginning. It took it took years. It, it was God allowed me to heal on so many different levels. Uh, from the age of 15 when I was saved until really my late 20s. And then it was like round two of the surgery. And I had no idea how extensive it was going to be, how difficult it was going to be. But God unraveled every single thing that I had been through, one thing at a time, and eventually brought me to a very, very difficult, but very definite deliverance from a demon that had been placed in me as a child. And here I was as a Christian walking around, I had no idea that this thing was that deeply embedded in me. Mm -hmm. I didn't believe Christians could have that kind of a struggle, and I taught that they couldn't. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But when I went through the deliverance by myself in a little remote motel out in the middle of Southern California, that's when I absolutely knew that that the enemy was capable of just absolutely just wrecking a child in these ways and and that deliverance was part of what they needed to get set free.
1: Okay, we've got about 2 minutes before we go on the break, but I want to talk more about the actual processes because on our program we did quite a bit of a series on deliverance and what that looked like in my life and what I what I know about it. And of course, I saw some some very, you know, a lot of similarities in yours, but I I want to review that um as much as we can for our listeners tonight that Oftentimes it is a process yes it does seem to depend on how how deep the wounds and the traumas are, because yes. God can't just i mean wow, if he just some, if he just revealed all of that and tried to do all that in one fell swoop, it, it might destroy some of us. I mean we might I, just
2: I really <laughs> believe that it took, it took time, and, and God is very gentle
1: mm-hmm. and
2: something as traumatic as this it, it's got to be well, in a way like the scriptures say, line upon line, precept upon precept.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: God had to spend probably the first 10 years of my Christian experience building my foundation in the Word of God, and that was the real key for me, so that when the time came when this had to be dealt with, there was something left to stand on, because I think without that foundation, I may not have survived the deliverance.
1: Amen. Amen. I... <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> We've got seven minutes. I mean minutes. Seven seconds. So we're going to pick that up after this break.
0: As a tragic past. Shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones, and we'll be right back after these.
4: Have you heard?
5: Equipping the Saints Ministries Our mission is to equip and mature the people God calls to do the things they are called to do with confidence and boldness and to create soldiers for the army of the Lord and to impact our communities If you are not local, you may participate via conference calls or we can make information available to you via email saints ministries is home based in maryland you may write to us at post office box 1616 clinton maryland 20735 or email us at vir2us1 at verizon.net
1: Okay, we are back on the air. I can't believe how fast time is going by. Um, Just to make mention of the fact that that P.O. Box address um, is no longer valid. The correct one is P.O. Box 72, Waldorf, Maryland. That's W-A-L-D-O-R-F, Waldorf, Maryland, 20604 this is minister diane and i am on the air with dr gregory reed i want to read to you a little bit uh from the back of dr reed's book nobody's angel nobody's angel is a riveting testimony to the power of god to deliver and heal even the most shattered of lives never sensationalistic Or glorifying of evil, the book has helped hundreds of people, especially teens, to understand both the struggle of those who are wounded and abused and the depths of God's love for every hurting heart. People, this is why we tell our story, this is why we risk the public scrutiny and the backlash. And the attacks that come to us is because we want to help the wounded, the abused. We want to let them know that God is able to restore, to rebuild, to give you back what the enemy has taken from you. And so we are talking about what the process of healing and deliverance looks like. I know I've, I've, have some bullets here. Um, and I'm going to ask Dr. Reed to just talk about this from his perspective, but I, I made the notes to myself how important it is to begin to tell someone, tell, tell a counselor, tell, uh, your pastor, um, it's hard to find people that you can trust. I know this for a fact, but but as part of the healing process, you have to begin to expose the secret. Dr. Reed, what do you say?
2: Well, that's absolutely important and, and, and what you know, I I learned early on one of the, one of the primary principles God taught me is what what God reveals, God heals. Mhm. And What we hide in darkness is what grows and 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 destroys us. And and one of the most important things—I mean, the scriptures are clear about this—that we're to you know confess our faults to one another, pray for one another, uh, that we might be healed. Uh, and although we're supposed to confess our sins as well, this specifically said to confess our faults, which tells me we're to confess our brokenness to each other and and finding someone to tell. Uh, the, the big secret too is just absolutely so vital. Mm-hmm. I I know so many people you wouldn't believe I, well, you would, how many people that I know that have grown into their, uh, thirties and forties and fifties and never told anyone
3: mm-hmm. and just
2: lived in a nightmare of broken relationships and, and pain and, and substance abuse and, uh, and then one day they they told the secret and God set them free I'm not saying it's an easy process but the first step is is telling someone what happened because that's what that's what the perpetrators didn't want us to do I mean, I've hardly ever met any perpetrators that didn't tell their victims don't tell anyone it's a secret or don't tell anyone because they're gonna think you're evil or you're dirty or whatever so, we remain in this horrible silence for a lifetime until we realize uh we have to tell somebody, and uh you know God- being gracious may lead us to the people who are going to be uh loving and healing and accepting and being able to to help us to to move into god's healing
1: mm-hmm and in the area of sex trafficking, I mean it gets even more dangerous because they 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 also tell you basically that. You know, they'll kill your parents. They'll kill your family. They'll kill you. Um, in some of these situations, they you know they'll threaten physical harm, even if you confess it or if you tell someone.
2: Yes, and, the, and they and they mean it. And, and that what, when we get into the human trafficking area, that's where the the price tag really goes up on these things, and you realize. I mean child pornography and child trading is a 36 billion dollar a year industry. Mm-hmm. I don't even how to know how to even begin to grasp that kind of damage and, and 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 trying to help is sometimes feels like you know just throwing a little pebble in the pond But mm-hmm. the, the 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 amount of uh, just heartbreak and, and slavery that's out there um, and and that's definitely an area where Christians need to get behind and support those that are trying to 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 stop that. But when when you talk about and part of the the problem is is that our it's it's very hard for us to accept that mm-hmm. this kind of evil exists. As you mentioned earlier, your your friend in the military, uh, it would probably completely take her and a number of people off guard to know one of the, one of the major practitioners of black magic in this country. Although we've never been able to deliberately connect him to a crime, we have, we have reasons to believe there were crimes against children. But he actually had a 21-year military career as lieutenant colonel mm. and to design the psychological warfare unit for the army. And here he is in a top position in our military, and he's one of the most evil people that's ever walked the face of the earth. And most mm. people even have a clue that that was in place.
1: Wow! Wow! I've been well. I don't want to get off track here, but I I have heard from some pastor friends of ours um, how in some military installations that they are there's this move to to embrace and to bring the Wic, Wicca is it Wicca or Wiccans? I'm not Wicca. sure. If I, yeah,
2: it's already there. Yeah. In,
1: into the military and to you know assure them the same rights as other. Religions, you know, yeah, on base.
2: Yeah, that's all. That's already a done deal.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: people, but the 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 level of people who have tacked it up a level, who are actually practicing black magic, is has been well entrenched in certain positions in the military for a number of years, and they have uh, been able to cover up a great deal of uh, uh, things that have happened against children over the years.
1: And one of the things. I guess I'm just going to follow this uh, and hopefully get back on on topic here. But um, one of the things that people don't realize is that when children often go missing, a lot of the missing persons reports and even not just children but young teenage girls too and boys even also, um, it's related to this type of stuff. You know sometimes they'll just say that they're runaways, sometimes they'll just you know say that they just probably ran away when, in fact, they became victims right. of this type of activity correct
2: that's correct and 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 the difficult part is is that uh, law enforcement, because of the way it's set up, if particularly if a teenager runs away or if a teenager is kidnapped or just goes missing uh, then Law enforcement will basically put them on the back burner after the first day or so, assuming that they are a runaway. Mm -hmm. And they are some of the most at-risk kids. Of course, you know, I mean, I've worked in this area long enough to know that there are hidden places all over this country, very low uh, socioeconomic uh, uh, places and cities and and trailer parks where parents are... uh, unable to watch after their kids for one reason or another.
5: Mm-hmm. We've
2: even seen parents who because of drugs have sold their children for mm-hmm. a very small amount of money mm-hmm. and no one is watching. No one is keeping track. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's hard to believe in this day and age where, you know, it seems like the government knows everything about us that the children mm-hmm. can go missing. But it, it happens all the time. And, uh, a lot of the victims go into the the child sex trafficking, and a number of them are uh, undoubtedly uh, become part of sac- sacrificial offerings
1: right, right, And it makes me wonder you know how much of that is all part of um, part of the scheme, if you will, like why like you said, when, when we're living in a time when so much is known about so many things, how things like this can still uh, go undetected.
2: Well, one of the most difficult things that I learned over the course of time is that when you're dealing with people who traffic in children, when you're dealing particularly with pedophiles mm-hmm. and particularly with those that have a lot of money uh, and that are in positions in high places in the government or in, in uh, the city or whatever or in the public standing, that it's very easy for them to cover things up Uh yeah. And to keep people from talking, I think we learned that in the Jerry Sandusky uh, yes. situation. Yes. Everybody rallied behind this man initially because he was their hero, and without realizing that he was so, you know, I know mean, it's still a, he's in jail and he's trying to overturn the trial. But there's no question in our minds, those of us who have been involved in this work, that, that he, the truth of how many kids he he uh, violated, will probably never be known.
1: Yes and I and I felt that some people did know and suspect and even believed what he was doing but he had so much clout that they they were not willing to fight for the children
2: Well and this is just purely speculation as a former private investigator and somebody that's worked in this field for a long time mm-hmm. I I have a suspicion that he was kind of thrown out as a a sacrificial offering himself because Mm -hmm. it was getting too close that we have some indication he was tied into other people who were doing the exact same thing
1: yeah okay see that fits my belief then uh that yeah that's often what people will do is that they'll throw out you know someone has to be the fall guy right but there's so much more behind the scenes that's going on
2: Um, and we could always tell when we were getting close to a case like that when we would start advocating for a child or getting involved in a case and they started to push back, they could push back hard and we'd realize this is going to go a lot higher than we knew it was going to.
1: We got 15 seconds, so we'll have to pick up after the break. Wow. We'll pick up after the break. <laughs>
0: Tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these.
5: The story of me is a captivating and inspiring account of a woman able to overcome incest, abuse, and neglect to find a second chance at happiness. It is a story for those who have loved and been rejected, who have dreamt and fallen short, who have survived abuse, molestation, rape, or incest. The Story of Me is very inspirational for those who may see or find themselves in Diane Jones's story. You may purchase your copy of The Story of Me online at www.authorhouse.com or any of the major bookstores.
0: Get ready for smart health with your host, Dr. Glenn Mia. On the Walkstar Radio Network.
6: Thank God. I am free. I am free. free.
0: Welcome back to I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on TogiNet.com.
1: Okay, people. This is Minister Diane, and I have uh, Dr. Gregory Reed on the air with me, and I know my husband Chris is uh, behind the scenes uh, listening too. And honey, you know you're you're always welcome to uh, to join in. Um, do you have any thoughts that you want to say? Because we're running out of time. No, I'm
5: soaking it all in, and I, I want to keep it going.
1: Okay, okay. Well, um, we are talking about deliverance. We kind of got off on um, talking about sex trafficking and and the pedophile um, Sandusky situation. And, I mean, there is so much that we could talk about um, on these shows and on this show. But I do want to get back to what Deliverance looks like and some of the other bullets that I um, wrote. I want to have Dr. Reed uh, chime in and give us his thoughts on this. Uh, I noticed that you had counseling at different times. Um, some of it was through members of the church world, you know, different pastors. Um, tell us what you think about how important counseling is to recovery. Um, things like triggers, how certain things would trigger memories and, and work towards helping you remember things um, I mean, there's so many things, but let me give you a chance to respond to those two things, counseling and triggers.
2: Well, I have a long history of finding the wrong counselors, which I guess, (laughs) you know, has its advantages, at least you know what not to look for. Uh Uh, I I went through a series, some Christian, some secular, Uh Uh, because of the nature of what I had been through. Most people just scratched their head and said, you know what? I just don't know what to do for you. And, uh, uh, thankfully, not everybody's going to be in that place. And I think a good seasoned Christian counselor is very valuable, mm-hmm. especially if they can just give you word-centered uh, counseling and word-centered prayer that will help really a, a real biblical counselor is just kind of a facilitator for the Holy Spirit to work in that person's life. And uh, thankfully, I eventually uh, came across a, a woman who was uh, – knew that I was going to need something more than talk therapy and she brought me to a place where God finally just opened up the floodgates of what had happened to me Mm -hmm. and it was so it was so dramatic that it scared her uh, because once the once the whole thing just came out it was just so brutal and she had never never really dealt with that before and that was the start Uh, I had been having uh, reactions, what they what you could call them, flashbacks, or mm-hmm. even what they call body memories, where my body would react to things. I would get rashes and and all sorts of uh, painful, uh, just pain from nowhere, uh, without realizing that this was part of the memories that I had worked my whole life to, to just to numb out. Were starting to come to the surface. So after the initial major uh, floodgates were open then it became a matter of realizing that I knew what was going on. Instead mm-hmm. of just having a crisis or a meltdown or someone said something to me and I would go ballistic or I would just run and hide, mm-hmm. I would have to sit down and say, okay, what what triggered that? What did that trigger in me?
3: Mm-hmm. And I
2: would have to go to God and spend some time in prayer and say, Lord, I need you. You're the one that reveals the hidden things. You are The one that knows everything. So I need you to show me what was it about that person or that situation that, what did that trigger in me? What am I, what what do you need to show me? And he would uh, always just show me what it was. And then I would be able to walk through that and kind of, for me, a lot of it was just connecting the dots, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: you know, to make, to, to know that, well, there's a reason I reacted that way. It just wasn't random, but this was connected to that. And because this was connected to that, I need to look at that. And when I look at that and put it under the blood, then I can get free of that. Mm -hmm. And so it became a matter of not being scared when I had things were triggered and when I had reactions or flashbacks, but just to say, okay, I know what's happening here, and I just need to give myself enough safety to walk through this and to let God walk me through this.
1: Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, and I, and I think it's so important to, to let people know that that's a necessary part of the process that sometimes it feels like things are worse, you know, because you're getting down to the, to the dirt of it all. And you're bringing all that stuff back up. Sometimes it may feel like things are worse when in fact, this is a good thing.
2: It's a part of the healing. And, uh, You have to go there before you can get to that healing, and it's very important for those that help people like us who have been through that to realize you can't really fix this Mm -hmm. Uh, as much as you'd like to. It would be great if there was a quick fix, Uh, but generally the best thing to do is just put an arm around that person and walk them through it and let God do the healing Uh, because God knows the person inside and out, and he knows what they need to get set free.
1: Amen. We have to play a role in our own deliverance. And by that, I mean, you have to cooperate with, (laughs) you have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. You You know, when he's, go ahead, go ahead.
2: That was what was, see, the the difficulty for me is that I was raised in spiritually, I mean, and and I I totally respect people who disagree with me on this. And I understand why they don't. But I, I kind of was raised with and accepted the theology that if the Holy Spirit dwells in me, then the devil can't dwell in me. And right. that's, that's that's good. I understand that. But it's a little problematic only because uh, I, I had run across a situation where I was counseling someone who was a believer, and they went into a 100% full-blown demonic takeover. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, this really messes <laughs> with my theology here. I I have to resolve this somehow. And uh, I knew they were a believer. I I had known when they received the Lord. I knew that they were saved. But I thought, well, Lord, how can something evil dwell in me or in someone? And the Lord showed me actually through a friend. We're like the the temple, the Old Testament temple. There was the outer court and the inner court and the holy of holies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, Jesus dwells in the holy of holies in my spirit. There's no question about that. And I can absolutely say that Satan can't even get anywhere near there. But can he get in the outer court? Yes, I think he can. And that's where the deliverance takes place. And so that helped my perspective and helped me when just a few years later I found myself in a hotel room with the finger of God on me, literally ripping a demon right out of my body that I had no idea was there. It was two hours of of just, I was so shocked by it.
3: Mhm, hmm mm-hmm,
2: like a wolf and then just growling and and I was helpless. All I could do is in my mind just say, Jesus help me. Uh, This really messed with my theology because I knew I knew Jesus.
3: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: And until afterwards I understood that this thing had been placed in through the sexual abuse as a child in ritual. This thing had been sent to guard me and to become uh, my uh, totem, so to speak, my demonic guardian. Hmm. And it, it, it was so much like me that I thought it was me. Right. And that's why nobody could get to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when God finally put his finger on it and took that thing out, it was, it was gone. I, and I have to tell you, a week later, I was back home trying to process all this. And I looked myself in the mirror and I saw literally saw a wolf face come over my own face. I just prayed and I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke you. And it went away. But I realized it was trying to come back to see if it could still come back. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, it has been gone and the deliverance has been total. Uh, and But, that, you know, this is a it was a very it was a little bit difficult of a deliverance. But no, right. one did this. God did this himself.
1: Right, right, and I can relate to some of those experiences because the first time, well, not the first time, the second time that the Lord led me to speak about my experience, I had already recommitted my life to the Lord. He had already come in and refilled me with the Holy Spirit and um, done a powerful work in my life, but he had me share some more of my testimony at a retreat, and after I spoke about what had happened to me, I got deathly – I mean, I got sick. I mean, I was sitting there, and the Lord said, uh, go to the bathroom because you're going to be sick. And I'm talking about when I got – I barely made it there, but, but what came out of me was just like projectile vomiting. I mean, it was just – and it just was sudden. Um, and I call that purging. Um, from 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 the way I was raised in the holiness church and whatnot we were taught that many times people even though they got saved they still had to be delivered and they still had to be purged yes. and it, it could be from demons or it could just be from the residual of some form of bondage or sin that they were involved in and it comes out in those different forms it comes out in the form of the manifestations it could come out in the form of vomiting it could come out in the form of getting anxious and um you know it it manifests in different ways yes and so what you're describing was was you know the wolf-like sounds and um wow i mean but people don't teach about this anymore in churches they don't even allow opportunities for you to be we we had they had altar calls i've only got a minute left oh lord well dr reed i guess best thing we how how should we close the night we've only got a minute how should we close the night
2: let's just pray real quick for the listeners okay father in the name of jesus we pray for everybody that's been in the sound of this this program lord i want to thank you my friends, God, that are reaching out, Lord, to those who are hurting and pray in Jesus' name that everything that's been spoken tonight, Lord, would, would be a revelation of healing of our, our awesome God who can heal the deepest wound, Lord. And I thank you, ask your protection over our dear friends, Lord, who are carrying out this very vital mission, God, to the hurting in Jesus' name.
1: In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you again. Um, I know we'll get to do this again sometime soon. I'm going to let you enjoy your holiday, though.
2: (laughs) Amen. And you too. Have a blessed Thanksgiving. We have much to be thankful for.
6: you.